Bah Humbug. It's one of the quotes of the Christmas season. Uh, my family, some of you know, part of our tr- Christmas tradition is that we go to Minneapolis and see a Christmas carol at the Guthrie Theater each year. And so we did that Thursday night. And as I was watching this play, it's the transformation that we see in Ebenezer Scrooge just kind of captures me in deeper and fresher ways every year. And it was just hearing the descriptions even in the play of like just how cold his heart is. It, you know, he sounds a little bit like the Grinch too. Um, and, uh, but just seeing him like respond to what the spirits of Christmas come to teach him and reveal to him about his life and how it starts to open him up and awaken him so that he is transformed on Christmas morning and brings joy to all these people when he used to just suck it out of the room. Um, it just, it's just beautiful. And it, it makes me tear up multiple times throughout the play each year. And this year was no different. But as I was watching this year, it also reminded me of what we're going to talk about this morning from Galatians chapter 5, the fruit of the Spirit, and this battle that's occurring in us and around us. Because the fruit of the flesh is dark, cold, and awful things. And the fruit of the Spirit is life-giving, beautiful, peaceful, joy-filled things. Um... And so we're going to spend some time this morning looking at Galatians chapter 5 and hearing Paul's practical guidance to believers to recognize this battle that we continue to be in and to find ourselves close to Jesus, anchored in him, and seeing the things that he produces in us, which are rich and wonderful and beautiful. So I did not put the words on the screen this morning, and so I will invite you to, it's page 1004 in your pew Bibles. If you brought your own Bible, I don't know what page it's on. Um, But we're going to start at Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. The Apostle Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, writes, So I say, walk by the Spirit, And you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, Selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. 
Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with, the, with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Let's pray. Father God, we come before you this morning, and we thank you so much for the work that you are doing in our lives and in the world. We thank you for Christmas. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for salvation. We thank you for the confidence in knowing that we are not alone, that you are here with us even now. And we thank you for the treasure of your word. And we pray that as we reflect on it today, that you would speak to us. Each of us has unique experiences, unique challenges, unique opportunities in our lives. And we pray that as we reflect on this together, that you would sharpen each of us, that you would draw us close to you, that you would reveal the truth that we need to move through today and into tomorrow, that we would do that being held tightly by you and your fruit produced in our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So Paul makes it clear, not only in this passage, but in lots of places, that there is this continual battle, this conflict that we experience between the flesh and the spirit. And the flesh isn't our skin, it's our human nature. It's our, it's the part of humanity in us that desires to be in charge on our own, autonomous, and not submissive to the God who made us, the only one who is trustworthy. And so there's this conflict, this battle within us, and it's important for us to recognize that this is a battle that we experience as God's people, as well as one that we experience as we look out at society and see kind of this same conflict at work in the lives of people who are not walking with Jesus. But this was a letter written to God's people. And so when Paul says that there's this conflict, that our flesh, our human nature, continues to be at war with the Spirit of God in us, we want to take that seriously. Paul writes this letter in in chapter 3, verse 1. He's like shocked that these believers have turned so easily from the gospel into a, a life of legalism. So we know that this this caution, this warning, this awareness is important for each of us because the Galatians were taking things very seriously. They were taking their faith very seriously, but, but Paul was concerned that the way that they were engaging in following Jesus had really caused them to stray from the, the hope and the truth of the gospel, that they were really leaning into fleshly and human strategies rather than actually the Holy Spirit. The few verses uh, that I I would have even included in our text, but I just didn't want to read the whole chapter or the whole book uh, because it would take 
time, but I'm going to do it anyway, just in different pieces. Um, Galatians chapter 5, verses 13 through 15. It says, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. Paul says, even as God's people, you need to be warned and you need to remember that our flesh is always at war with the Spirit of God in us. The Spirit of God is renewing us, remaking us. Our identity in Christ is secure, and we are a new creation in Him. But as we live out our daily lives, our old nature is still familiar to us. It still makes sense to us. And when we rely on the things that make sense to us instead of the things that are of the Spirit, we can get confused and we can experience destructive things in our lives. So Paul gives us, helps us recognize which nature we're leaning on. And it, I think a lot of times when we read, especially when we read about the fruit of the Spirit, we tend to think of them either as specific behaviors that we're supposed to work harder to nurture and produce in our own lives, or we just think of them in some kind of ideal sense. But I think Paul really wants to give us practical understanding, practical advice, practical information. As we endure this battle and try to lean into Jesus, what do the fruit of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit help us understand? And so in verses 19 through 21, Paul describes the acts of the flesh. And lots of these things are obvious to us. And it, it says the acts of the flesh are obvious. We can see it all around us. It's the things that make us sad as we look at our society. Sexual immorality and impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft. But then there are these things that just kind of get embedded in this list that we know we experience too. Hatred and discord, jealousy and fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy. Maybe for some of us, drunkenness and those kinds of addictions. And so, when we focus on the beginning of the list, we tend to think, oh, those are things affecting other people. But when we see the end of the list, we start to recognize, oh, the acts of the flesh are obvious in my life too. Like even when I think I've devoted myself to following Jesus and standing up for him, I realize I can find fits of rage in me. And that's not a fruit of the Spirit. I can be really angry. I can attack people's identity and call them names. I can put them in a 
label in a category that makes them seem less human, less dignified. So that I don't have to treat them like they're people made in the image of God. Those things are the acts of our sinful, broken human nature. The ways that make sense to us as human beings. But Paul helps us understand that the fruit of the Spirit are very different things. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. And sometimes when I get really fired up about things that I think are righteous, still those aren't always the fruits that I notice in my own heart and mind. And so I need to kind of use this as a way to evaluate where is the root, where is the source of what I'm experiencing right now? Because I think that I'm upset about the, I'm upset for God, right? But if my life is producing things that come from the flesh and make sense to all human beings, then I need to step back and say, Lord, I know this is true and I know you care about these things, but why am I led to anger instead of love, joy, peace, patience, and trusting you and all the good life-giving things that come out of resting in you? Jesus talks about fruit a bit as well. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 17, he says, Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. So, It's important that we recognize that our salvation isn't on the line every time we recognize something that's disruptive and disappointing in us. That we really are a new creation. Our identity has shifted. But our old nature still exists, and it continues to be at war with our new nature. And so as children of God, our lives are not characterized by these things. They don't define us, and our identity isn't rooted in them. And so it's not a battle of, have I fallen out of grace, or am I in grace in this moment? It's just, as I think of myself as a child of God and recognize these things in my life, how does this help me evaluate where I'm leaning? Am I leaning into my own humanity, or am I leaning into the Holy Spirit? And what Jesus says here helps us recognize that when, when we're experiencing bad fruit in us, that's coming from a bad source. When we experience good fruit in us, that's coming from a good source. Jesus talks about it in a similar way in John chapter 15. He uses the metaphor a little bit differently there. Here, he says, I'm the vine, I'm the branch. I'm the vine, you are the branches. I am life, and in order to bear fruit, you have to be connected to me. You have to remain in me. You have to find life in me. Be close to me. And if you remain in me, and I in you, you'll bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So, here Jesus uses the metaphor to say, in order to produce good fruit, you have to be connected to life. And Jesus says, I am the life. 
And so either I'm producing fruit and life in you, or I'm not. And so Paul uses these lists to the Galatians to help them recognize that as he says, we don't want to be legalistic about this. We don't want to turn to these Jewish roots and traditions and think that they offer us more than Jesus does. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. But the freedom that's talked about there is freedom from the darkness of our human nature. Autonomy from a biblical sense, is always sin. We are never supposed to be autonomous. We're always supposed to be dependent and submissive to the Lord, who is the one true God over all things. So it is for freedom that Christ has set us free, but we don't want to use our freedom to feed our human nature we want to use our freedom to lean in to the Spirit because without Jesus, we have no freedom to do that. We have only our human nature. But in Christ, we have new life, a new identity, and the Holy Spirit, God himself, who, rose, who raised Jesus from the dead, lives in us to fight this battle that we experience each day. And so Paul concludes and he says, let us... Keep in step with the Spirit. And so we find practical help. These aren't just grand ideas, and they aren't just distinctions that we're supposed to use to evaluate society and other people out there. Paul writes this to believers in Galatia to say, as you're following Jesus, you will recognize things in you still look like your old nature. Because this conflict continues for as long as we are on planet Earth. But when we go to heaven, the conflict no longer exists. It's all done. And we learn all through Scripture that there are really good things that God produces as we recognize and endure this conflict. That he builds our character, that he refines us more and more into the image of Christ. That as we grow in dependence on him, and we see the fruit of that, that it, it produces more and more, and it overflows from us and affects other people. Just like I saw in that play, A Christmas Carol, Ebenezer Scrooge kind of sucks the life out of the room every time in shocking ways. People just kind of come in, and they think, oh, I just want to raise money for this good cause. Don't you want to? And then they get kind of scared, even to the point where on Christmas Day, when he's got this new experience of the Christmas spirit, and he's all filled with joy, and he chases down those people who are raising money. It just happens to see him in the street, and he shouts out to them and says, Merry Christmas, and they turn and see him, and they're, they're just shocked. They're taken aback. They're like, oh, you're the guy who just yelled at us just yesterday. Fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, 
faithfulness, self-control. Just even saying those, just letting those words just kind of echo in the room, doesn't it feel like a better place? Doesn't it feel kind of heavenly? Like, oh, it feels pretty good and safe. It doesn't take long for the other things to start to erupt, but, but the power in that is good. So let us keep step with the Spirit. So Paul concludes with verses 24 through 26. Uh, we're also going to look at verses 14 and 15, and I'm going to read them in a, a different version that just forgot what book I was in. Um, I'm going to read it from the First Nations translation, uh, which they're still working really hard on completing the Old Testament, uh, but the New Testament is published and beautiful, and it is uh, it's this fascinating translation project that's uh, being done by uh, people of various uh, Native American tribes to come up with an English translation that makes sense to them as Native Americans, uh, but it is in English uh, because not many of their people know their tribal languages right now. Um, and it's, but it's written the way that they would tell their stories in their own traditions. And so it's this beautiful, uh, it's, it's so like grounded and it makes so much sense and yet it feels so poetic and I just love it. So that's just a little advertisement. Uh, you can find it for free online at places like Bible.com. So 24 through 26. For the ones who belong to Creator sets free, who is Jesus, the Chosen One, have nailed their weak and broken humanity to His cross. This puts to death all their wrong desires and broken ways. Let's just stop there for a moment. You see, this battle that we experience with our old nature and our new nature isn't a battle that we are strong enough to fight on our own. But it's actually Jesus who's crucified the old nature and put it to death. And as it rears its ugly head in us, we can turn to him and say, Lord, I recognize this, this in me, but I know you have already fought this battle. You've put this to death, but it still is so familiar to me. It still makes sense to me. It still is even what I want to do. So fight that in me, because you've conquered it on the cross, and you can conquer it in me today. This puts to death all their wrong desires in broken ways. Since our life comes from the Spirit, let us dance and step with the Spirit and follow the Spirit's guidance. In this way, we will not become big-headed troublemakers who are jealous of each other.
If we jump back to those earlier verses, verses 14 and 15. For all of our tribal law finds its full meaning and purpose in this one instruction. Love your fellow human beings in the same way you love yourself. If you keep on acting like wild animals, biting and snapping at each other, watch out. You may end up wiping each other out. As we wrap up 2023 and turn the page to 2024, we have this opportunity to kind of look forward to 2024 as a clean slate. We know the battle, this conflict in us is going to continue. It's not over just because we thought about it on the last day of 2023 and 2024 is going to be blissful. But as we head into this new year with this awareness that God has given us this practical assessment tool, so that we are able to recognize when we're leaning into our old nature and nasty stuff is being produced, so that we can stop and say, Lord Jesus, I need you in this moment. Because I know that I grew these things on my own. I'm good at it. But I also know that's not who I am anymore. It's not who you made me to be. And that you've conquered my old nature at the cross. And even though it's really hard for me to know what it means to put this to death and carry my cross and follow after you, you know that that's where I want to be. I just want to be close to you. And as I am close to you in this moment, put this stuff to death in me. And help me come alive in the new ways that you, only you can produce in me. Love, joy, peace, patience. That's, that's one that we need a lot these days, right? Just the opportunity to slow down, take a breath, and know that we can trust God in this moment. That he's got this. He hasn't suddenly put it on our shoulders. We just need to follow where he leads. And his spirit lives in us. He's going to guide us. It might be confusing to us for a while. We might not always agree, even in this room. But we can be patient and trust God. And he's going to lead us because he's doing great things. He's building his kingdom in our midst even now. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. I can learn these things. Not perfectly, but I, when I recognize the struggle in me, I can turn to Jesus and say, you know how to do this. You live in me. Guide me through this. I need you. And I know you're enough for me. So let us keep in step with the Spirit because the Spirit of God is great, mighty, and in us.
Let's pray. Father God, we come before you today and we just acknowledge that we need help. But we also acknowledge that you offer it all the time. That you desire that we would be dependent on you. That we would keep turning to you for help more and more and more all the time. And that's actually what maturity in the Spirit looks like. That we wouldn't try to do it on our own in the ways that make sense to us. But that we would turn to you. And so, Father God, as we lead into this new year, we pray that you would help us be aware of these things. That you would help us measure and monitor these things so that when our old nature gets fed, when it starts to produce things in us that aren't good for us or the people around us, that you would help us be aware of it and turn to you to confess and repent and receive grace and strength and forgiveness. And all the fruit of the Spirit is you produce those in us. That we would become people that more and more look like you and help other people see how good and beautiful you are. Because there's darkness and wickedness in the world and you can conquer it. You have. And you will continue that work. Do it in us. Do it through us. Do it among us. And lead us as your people to be like you. Fill us with your spirit and make us new and new and new. In your name, Lord Jesus. Amen.